Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Constant Agitation, our weekly podcast. Oh, I forgot it playing <laughs> on my phone when I was checking if the stream is going live. Uh, as always, I'm your host Jimmy, joined by Eva. Hi guys, how, how are you doing? You're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, your camera is a bit too high. Okay. Sorry about I that. Am a, I'm a bit too short, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Very nice. Very happy Friday. Uh, Super excited about today's uh, episode. It is a cool one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it seems like we're having some connection issues. The stream current bitrate. Samir is here with us. Hey. Um, all right. So what do you what do we have for uh, the episode today? We have some uh, really exciting stuff. Yes. But first, you want to get into a question. Um, yes. So this wasn't a question that it was posed maybe directly to be addressed in the in the podcast. Although I feel like it is because uh, the person commented in one of the podcast episodes. You were having a conversation about cameras, and we got. Uh, the question that they would like to hear us talk about our process when we choose what camera to get next. So what is our thought process? What uh, things do we worry or we care more about when we're choosing our next camera and so on and so forth? Yep. And uh, the the conversation, I remember uh, we got a comment uh, asking about two specific cameras, uh-huh. right? It was the uh, Mamiya 6 oh, yeah. versus the... Um, some kind of a Bronica 645 mm-hmm. camera. And here's the thing with the... Well, they're not... For me, with these two cameras, I feel like the main thing is that they're different frames. Uh, formats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, they're using the same film, but they're shooting in different aspect yeah. ratio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, that's a big deciding factor, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like... Personally, I'm used to when I'm holding a camera of of that form mm-hmm. for it to be a, a rectangle instead of a square. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You mm. you. W- I remember us having this conversation when I was telling you that I really want to get a DLR, and you were like, "Yeah, that'd be nice," but like I kind of prefer not to have this like the limitation of the square format for the composition. And it, and you, I feel like yeah, you enjoy more shooting a rectangular f- frame than a than a square frame. Yeah, uh, although I think I, r- I don't mind using the square. It's just not in that specific form factor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't feel like I had enough training mm-hmm. shooting square mm-hmm. to get the the frame intuitively the same way I do with, this, with, the, with the square, with yeah, the rectangular form, format. So I think that's a very important factor to mm-hmm. consider when you're going into a new camera. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was shooting digital, I uh, I realized that I you know I love my micro four thirds mm-hmm. and uh, I remember I always changed the aspect ratio from a four by three to sixteen by nine yeah because I kind of like to have this I also n- like narrow. that format a lot that uh, aspect ratio yeah right and so I, even though I was losing some part of the sensor when I get the raw file in Lightroom it will give me those extra stuff that I didn't f- compose with. And sometimes I end up moving it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to have these extra bars on the top and bottom. Mm-hmm. But when... And and that's back in the day. Like, that's when I was just happy to have a camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it feels like 
it's a, it's the whole experience like w- w- it's the, it depends on the job it depends mm-hmm. on uh, what kind of photos you're taking with it it depends on where you're going with it is it weather sealed is it not does it matter uh, there's so many different factors and i think the most important thing is to know your style mm-hmm. and know what you like to shoot and then from there you can look for the perfect camera that fits your style i would also argue perhaps that um uh, knowing what you like and what you're good at is good when you're gonna get a new camera and thinking of a new camera but i also think like film photography cameras give you so many opportunities to learn new stuff because cameras can be so different in the way that they're used and in the not only in the way that you compose if you have a six by six versus a six four five or a six seven or a six nine but also you know like how how automatic or, or automatic or semi-automatic the camera is is gonna l- allow you to learn different things about photography so i think that also plays a big role into like okay do i want a just a camera that's gonna meter everything for me or do i want a camera that's gonna slow me down and it's gonna allow me to think more about the photos that are shooting so i think th- that's also like a big part of choosing what's next right absolutely because when we were thinking about like i remember the last experience of us getting a new camera where it's like we're gonna put a little bit of money down not just these three stores finds that we put like 20 bucks down but it's a little bit more money it was the tlr it's like okay i want a tlr i want a tlr that is fully manual so i can take the time and that was like what narrows down okay which ones and then it's like do i want something that has a fixed lens or do I want something that has interchangeable lenses? How much of flexibility do I want to have in the future with this camera or not? Mm -hmm. So it is actually not a simple question. Like what camera do I get next? Yeah, I I agree 100%. Like for me personally, I like the cameras that forces my hand to to do more work. As much as I enjoy shooting the RZ, but I, because the automatic mode is there, I end up using it for convenience and then I you know what happens I don't get the exposure the way that like the meter is really nice but Mm -hmm. sometimes it misses sometimes I'm thinking when I'm looking through the viewfinder I'm thinking "Ah, that might be too slow or too fast but maybe you know I'm not a machine like my eyes are not designed to meter light I have a good judgment but I trust the light meter and Mm -hmm. sometimes I get disappointed yeah when I use my dedicated spot meter I know I'm going to get a good exposure. I'm going to get the perfect exposure. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. When I was using the uh, 4x5 that we borrowed, mm-hmm. I think unless there was some something that misfired but bec- because there was a lens that didn't work so much, but with the working lens that we had, I think all the exposures were spot on mm-hmm. because the camera forces you to take the time, double check, triple Everything. check, and then get the exposure right. And... At the same time, that camera will inhibit you from taking some exposures that another camera that will allow you. So if you compare it to to something like a Minox, for example, even even a medium format camera, you know, you can't walk around and take photos uh, like properly metered photos with Mm -hmm. a 4x5 the same way uh, you can do with an RZ. You can, but it's not as as convenient or as you know it's a different thing mm-hmm. so i think it's an important factor to kind of I- imagine and envision what you're gonna do mm. how do you want your experience to be yeah and the, the beautiful thing about film 
is that there are decades and decades of <laughs> camera design yeah. uh, models that are available for us today that we can pick and choose from. Um, some of them are going crazy in price. Yes, true. But I guess, I don't know, I guess that's a good thing. I guess that means that more people are shooting and we all know that that's true. Yeah, demand and uh, uh, availability. I also think that, yeah, as you say, like a film has a lot of years of, uh, of run. There's a lot of different cameras and different ways so there's a possibility for everyone to find something they like i i feel like um someone here is commenting that uh, for he for him the camera is if the camera is beautiful is important and that's something we didn't we didn't mention but it is a it is a big factor especially for me you know that there are a couple of cameras that i just got because i wanted to look at them and to have them and i was maybe a little bit uh, with one of them a bit um, disappointed because I wasn't so happy about how it did. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, I mean, cameras can be incredibly beautiful. <laughs> so that could be also a reason why you might get your next camera just because you like how it looks. I 100% agree. It's It looks like uh, we're having some uh, connection issues. Um, yeah, I, I, I see the, the bitrate is... I see it very well. Um, yeah, but you're not monitoring the audio through the stream. So I'm wondering if you guys are <laughs> hearing us well or not, uh, because it seems to be our connection. Like always, let us know if there is any issues with the stream. It would be very helpful for we us. We apologize about that because it's out of our hand at the moment. It seems that uh, the connection is, the internet line is not uh, is not working as uh, usual. Miguel says the audio is good. Cool, perfect. Perfect. Good to know. And the video sometimes jumps, the only thing. Yeah, that's, that, the that's it. Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. It's like going down and up the, right. uh, the, the connection speed. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, he also brings up a um, an important question saying, what if you already have a camera? Yeah, that's uh, uh, the oh camera no. that will be used for most Do things. That's does, does there have to be the next camera? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't have to be but i feel like people like us that are in film uh, world i know very very little people that have just one or two cameras and i think it's because this like side of having so many options and many different ways of shooting and different ways of f f uh, aspect ratio and different formats like 35 millimeter 120 4 by 5 8 by 10 if you get the crazy all these things it's like I feel like you would be missing on something if you only have one camera, right? Yeah. And I, I do advocate for like having one camera and really focus on learning, um, not just get hung up on the gear acquisition syndrome, which a lot of us have. <laughs> but I think with the time, not, not exploring other cameras would be a little bit of a loss. Yeah, I mean, we can, here's the thing, we can cut, like, cut back to our previous, one of our previous episodes where we talked about Vivian Mayer. Yeah. And uh, even though she did have multiple cameras, she did she did most of her work with one camera. Yeah. And I think that is exactly what it depends on because Vivian work was very similar. Like the type of work that she did was kind of the same. Mm -hmm. For some people that's 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 how it is. Mm -hmm. You don't want to try to do different things. You just want to keep doing what you do and get really good at it and just have a huge body of work mm. right and that's a beautiful thing it doesn't take away from it, uh, it uh, it's great in its own manner mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to uh, somebody who wants to try different things mm. 
like the stuff that we're going to get into today. Yes. You might have to build your own camera. <laughs> yes. You know, we talked about, um, I forgot the, the first name of the artist, Bucklow, uh, who made his own camera from a giant box. Uh-huh. And the, the you know the thousand the twenty five thousand pinhole camera. Yeah, we talked about that. You know, so there that's the beauty about playing with light and using it to to make art mm-hmm. is that you, the possibilities are endless. You can there's do no so limit many. to it. Yeah, as yeah. if you know the basic concepts that makes it, then you can play with it and try to to kind of push it to the limits yeah. in a sense. I mean, you kind of already have a camera if you have a window. <laughs> right, this right. is what we learned this week and what we're going to talk about next um, yeah. in, the, in, the po- in the episode. So let's get into it. How yes. about that? Let's do it. Okay, so you know I've been uh, secretly obsessed with this guy <laughs> yes. f- for a while. I just, every time he posts something on Instagram, I just look at it for half an hour mm. and I keep showing it to you. And you say, I already saw it. And I'm like, but look at it again. <laughs> <laughs> Look how beautiful it is. I c- just can't stop looking yes. at his work. And the man we're talking about is uh, Brendan Barry, mm-hmm. who uh, is doing uh, really, really, really uh, cool work. Very interesting and very good. Uh, with a, well, how do you, how would you describe it? How would I describe it? Uh, well, I, uh, he is doing photography work with the most basic, simple concept of a camera, which is a camera obscura, which is basically a box mm-hmm. with a lens. Mm-hmm. And the lens will project the image that is on the other side of the lens. And then with that, you can create an image. Exactly. That's basically the that, that's the basic concept of photography. That concept exists in every camera. In every camera, yes. Yeah. And in other machinery that use, is used for other stuff, but also in every camera, yes. Yeah. So he does, he exploits this to a level that is really interesting and really cool not only for the photos that he takes but also for all the bigger projects that he works with mm-hmm. so he's a camera maker I, w- I would call him apart from a photographer because he literally turns anything into a camera yep. that's one of the cool things that I learned about him that's the thing that's the cool thing that if you break the camera to its uh, most basic components yeah well we have a lens yeah and we have a light tight box yeah and then we have a surface where the camera where the lens projects on mm-hmm. and that surface That's copies it. the image right yes so what he did basically is he took the box yes and went crazy with it yes he just make anything a box basically right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, he uh, actually i i've been watching his as i said i've been watching his work for a long time mm-hmm. and i was you know like racking my brain trying to figure out how i and i knew i I knew there was a possibility of making a direct positive, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I wasn't sure. I, I I just look at it, I think about it, and I don't do my research. And then I went ahead and I was like, maybe I should look into it. <laughs> and I did that a while ago. R- I realized that, um, I forgot the name of the company, but they do make direct positive black and white paper, mm-hmm. um, which you can buy and use. It's slightly more expensive than uh, normal paper that you use in your dark room yeah, to from make f- for people that are perhaps not so familiar with like paper and how you make prints and stuff like that when we're talking about direct positive paper it mm-hmm. means that you don't have to go through having a negative on a film emulsion mm-hmm. to then make a print of it but you basically take a photo on paper directly and that paper will have a positive image mm-hmm. basically it is what you see with your eyes yeah 
I wonder if they can use it to make prints out of a positive uh, film. But I don't know. We can look into that later. <laughs> yes, it's um, not complicated anymore, <laughs> the issue. So, here, so here's the thing. Again, to simplify it even further, yeah. when you get a print made, uh, a lot of you know, So, but for those who don't, you put your uh, frame in the enlarger with a projector mm-hmm. and it shoots the light through the, the negative mm-hmm. onto a piece of paper that you place there af- after you set your framing and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you expose that sheet of paper. It's light sensitive. Uh, usually for black and white, it's orthochromatic, so it's um, not sensitive to red light. Yeah, that's why so you can work with a safe light in the lab. Exactly. And then uh, after the you project the image for a few seconds, you can take that paper, put in developer, fix, and then you have a black and white photo. Mm-hmm. The same process can be done with color paper, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how you get color images. Yes. But that process is done in complete darkness, and later on... Um, they develop these machines that after you project the image, it will do the thing. It will take the paper through the chemistry mm-hmm. and comes out on the other side. They even make machines that will shoot LEDs at the C-type paper. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Basically that's how you get d- the develop it and then mm-hmm. you just get the, the, the ready print. Yeah. I think uh, Nick Carver did a video about printing where he talks more about this machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The idea is, w- if you can do that, if you can shoot the light into a surface, into yeah. yeah, why can't you directly um, make an image with the paper, mm-hmm. right? And so, because the R4A is it R4A, RA4, RA4 yeah. paper, which is the common paper, it's used. the normal paper, yeah, for for photo color for prints, yeah. yeah, that's usually develop. Uh, uh, it's the whole process is designed to work with uh, negatives. Mm-hmm. So the paper is designed to be sensitive to the light shooting through a, an orange negative. Yeah, an orange negative, yeah. And then uh, y- uh, usually these uh, enlargers, they also have filters. I think um, cyan, magenta, and uh, yellow. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the yellow. Uh, probably, yeah. These are the print colors. And then, and then you adjust your exposure put it in the chemicals and get a color photo. Yeah. All right. So we got the technical stuff out of the way. Yes, we can. All right. <laughs> we got very nerdy. We apologize about that. But <laughs> if you're interested, here it is. And as always, timestamps down below. <laughs> yes. All right. So what do you think now? So so I think we, sh- we can, before we talk about his chemical process, which is very interesting, mm-hmm. I want to talk about how he makes his photographs which is talking about the concept of camera obscura mm-hmm. and making a camera out of anything because that i think that's pretty pretty cool of what he does all right and then we can talk also uh, about abelardo morel which does uh, similar things with the camera obscura concept mm-hmm. so as we said the camera obscura is basically a box you put a lens you get a projection of whatever image is on the other side of the lens in a plane mm-hmm. and actually this is all as all as fire almost i would say <laughs> maybe not as all as fire but it's really all the concept of making this camera obscura is all and it used to be used not for photography because photography didn't exist yet but it was used to paint yeah. and to create recreate images from reality and i sent you a very cool link with a with a representation of the 1800s i think it was yeah let me let me pull it up because I thought it was kind of funny to see it like that. Because it's the same concept as photography, but instead of having a light-sensitive material inside that will get your 
imprinting of the reality, you have a little man inside that is making a painting. Wait, let me let me pull up the picture. Yes. So now you can go ahead and describe it. Yeah. So it is as we said. It's basically a box, and it, the box has a lens, and the lens is going to get the image from the outside into the inside into this plane of uh, projection. And then you have inside a person that will use that to trace and to make uh, the paintings. Uh, so this is the very proto-photography um, concept, I would say. And the cool thing is that you can do that in your bedroom. You can. Uh, Brendan, the artist that we're going to talk about, one of the artists we're going to mention today, he actually turned out to have a YouTube channel mm -hmm. where he made these quite long videos, but very interesting. I watched one of them twice yesterday, actually, <laughs> because I watched it by myself and then Ava came. I was like, you have to see this. And I rewatched it. Maybe two of them, actually. I rewatched <laughs> Yes. So interesting. And you can see how he make these um, photographs. With the same concept as this. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, I, I want to get into the technicality mm -hmm. of it and that like there's some secretive information that seems <laughs> to be uh, yes. because as as i mentioned the, the paper is not designed to to be used in that to way. make a to make a print yeah uh, from direct light yes it's designed you know what did i say it's not designed or designed? it's not it designed matter. it's not yeah. designed to shoot, take photos it's designed to make a print so in order to expose the real light that is coming through the lens you need to use a lot of filtering yeah and maybe adjust your chemical process as yeah. well because with color you always have co different color shifts depending on temperature concentration and all that stuff mm -hmm. uh, so uh brendan seemed to be quite secretive about his process mm -hmm. he's not necessarily sharing all the details mm -hmm. and i understand uh, i've seen other people who are doing it matt mm -hmm. marash has really really from uh, large format fridays uh, he had a really cool and uh, informative tutorial on the subject yeah. on how to do the process itself. But I feel like I understand why Brendan is doing that. He is, he's, he's, that's his thing. Yeah. He's doing it. He spent a lot of time and effort. And he's a teacher as well. Yeah. So. I don't know if he does teach the specific <laughs> process mm -hmm. in his courses, uh, which is completely fine. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's nice to share the information, mm -hmm. but it's also nice to, you know, make something out of your hard work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I don't have any hard feelings about it. I have I have to to say mm -hmm. that I respect his work, and it makes me want to do it myself, and have because you notice when we were looking at different results of people who tried this, mm -hmm. they all have a certain look because Very specific look. Yeah, yeah. and um, and I think maybe with the errors that we get when we end up trying it. We might like a different look. You get a specific, you know, right. the crunchy look. <laughs> uh, do you want to go into the more specific uh, details of how this process looks like and what is it, why is it different and why is it so cool to look how it works? Yeah, I'm now uh, looking at a pumpkin camera. Okay. This is <laughs> this is a camera that he made out of a pumpkin. Yeah. As I said, he basically turns everything into a camera. <laughs> it's so cool. All you need is a lens on one side and... I mean, this one is a little bit more elaborated because he even put bellows and everything. So. Yeah. Usually he focuses with the back plane. So yes. let's look at this. This is one of the prints. This is a, a, a large paper. You will see how big it is. Um, and by the way, I, I think I should mention that the colors look beautiful. I but mean, that's, it's amazing work. It, it is. But, you know, 
these are not the real colors still. No. So that's the thing is that it's not necessarily super accurate, but it's beautiful and stylized. And, and artistic in itself, yeah. Well, well absolutely. Uh, you can see here how it turns from black and white into color and i think this is one of the magical like the most magical things in photography is when you see these uh photos just emerge which kind of mess up w with your head away in a way mm -hmm. because we're always like it, that's not how color prints work no you should do it in the dark how is this happening yeah so do you want to tell what did you discover and what is the what did you end end up learning about the process yeah we can do that i mean we again you guys if we're getting super nerdy for you you can tap out or <laughs> <laughs> we try to simplify it don't go away all right so here you can see it's this really is a cool. smaller print and uh, you can see how it starts as a black and white and then he swooshes around in some kind of liquid <laughs> and again the colors uh, start coming out if you're listening to this on audio only please check the link or as usual we'd love if you come and hang out with us live um, and then here you can see so what's happening here uh, this is <laughs> this bath that the, the photo is in right now is actually the color developer this is the first developer of the ra4 Paper. chemistry yeah mm -hmm. you know uh, ra4 is very similar to color film mm -hmm. in the sense that you have a developer Mm -hmm. and Blix. Yes. And that's it. That's the mm -hmm. whole process. You can use other stuff to archive it or preserve it, whatever you want. But these are the essential two baths. Mm -hmm. So one is developer and Blix. So the developer basically reacts with the particles in the paper that have reacted to the light and then the Blix, and the Blix will bleach it, so take mm -hmm. away all the other ones and mm -hmm. then fix it, which will be make the all the elements there fixed to the paper and be there forever. Yes. Yeah. But how is he taking it out of yeah, the camera? Yeah, someone says yeah, it's magic. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is magic. <laughs> uh, so if you can see here in this picture, you can see there is one, two, three, four, five, six. Bath. Six uh, trays yeah. with different liquids inside of them, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the first ones are uh, normal black and white chemistry. Yes. This is the trick here. This is why you why you see a black and white picture put under the light into another liquid and then change into a color print. Exactly. <laughs> so what's happening is that the picture is being developed mm -hmm. as a black and white image. Negative, actually. Negative. But it's not being completely fixed yet. Yes. So what I what what he does is or how the process goes because this is an old process and existed yeah. before. Mm -hmm. uh, so what happens is that you put your paper in the darkness, in the complete darkness, not even a red light. No, 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 darkness. You put in a black and white developer, mm -hmm. take it out, mm -hmm. put it in a stop bath. Yes. And after it stops developing. The black and white. The black mm -hmm. and white. So all the all the chemicals on the paper, all the grains, the particles yeah. that reacted to light, yes. now reacted to the developer. black and white developer. Mm -hmm. And then you stop that process in the yes. stop bath. You wash it because you don't want any contamination with the chemistry. Mm -hmm. And then you turn on the light. And what happens in that moment is that all the chem all the grain that did not react yeah. is now reacting. To the color. To yes. the color. 
and the uh, to to the light. Yeah, yeah. And so you're burning that off now. Yes. And that's what. So everything you developed in the black and white stays there. Yes. And everything that didn't develop in the black and white now is now gonna light, develop yeah. in the in the color. Yes. And then you bleach it, and the, what the bleach does uh, is that it removes the black and white layer that was. Uh, yes, the left there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also do a, a bleach bypass yeah. with these, uh, which is going to increase contrast mm-hmm. because it's going to leave that uh, your highlights. And wash out the colors wait. also, right? Actually, it's going to d- decrease contrast yeah. because it's going to keep the highlight yes, down. It's a much more flatter image. Yeah. Uh, so that's the process super simplified. And then you can do... Sup- and as you say, the the difficult part here is that in order to get accurate colors, if that's what you're looking after, you need to be very careful with the filter pack that is used mm-hmm. because this paper, as you said, is only uh, made to react to tungsten light that is used to project the negatives onto the paper. Basically, that's that's the issue. And I think that uh, Bren- Brendan, Brendan has done crazy crazy work on experimenting and trying to find how the light can be modified in order to get this amazing work that he does. <laughs> yeah, he does convert um, like crazy spaces into cameras. One of his um, first projects that got famous for is that he turned a, I think a, uh, what do you call it? Like um, a mobile home? A mobile home, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. turned the mobile home to a camera. He turned a, a shipping container. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, this project to like attract more people into photography. As I, as we mentioned, he's a teacher as well. Uh, Negative feedback actually did a video on that, mm-hmm. and he shows you his uh, black and white process mm-hmm. in detail. Again, you can see Brendan's video as well, where he shows you how to turn your bedroom into a camera using a magnifying glass. Glass from mm. from the from the dollar store almost. It's it's crazy. It's 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 really great. I I think there's as as we were discussing, doing this kind of experiments is just like allows you to understand the basic concepts at such a high level. And I love in that video that you showed me yesterday how he turns the the bedroom into this box camera camera obscura using ev- things that you have all around. It it really allows you to to experiment with every single thing that might change the. F- the image of the photo, right? Like he was saying, oh, this is too big, so now I have too much depth of field and I cannot focus in what I want. Oh, I just car- cut down a stencil in cardboard, so I make the aperture smaller, so my depth of field is is larger. And yeah. you see it there, like it's just so cool. <laughs> right, he, uh, it's so cool because he uses like, uh, the, the, the thing is that I'm gonna only use ho- uh, stuff that you can find in the house. Yeah. And then, uh, he uses cardboard, a magnifying glass, Tim and uh, one of these Cadillac IKEA Cadillac bookshelves yes. to to hold uh, the film. The basically, the, the film paper. is the paper. And then, at one point, he's like, "You can use a spaghetti measure, yeah, as a as an aperture." Uh, yes, as and, a, like, as and a I was like, "What is a spaghetti measure?" Apparently, it's a thing that you use to open and close to know how many spaghetti you need to use, uh, depending how many people are gonna eat. Yeah, it's like a portion uh, <laughs> selected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the video you're watching right now is him just walking into his camera. That's, <laughs> uh, I think that's a studio he did somewhere, but he also has a similar setup 
in his uh, backyard. Yeah, with the shed, the backyard shed, super nice. Yeah, this is a project he's working on. He was working on for a week in September. Mm. Um, so yeah, I I just love this work. I mean, these images are brilliant. The as, yeah, I I just think it's so creative and so like um, pedagogical as well, and of course, like beautiful, like these photos. Uh, of of the wildflowers are just so cool and that some of them they are actually like negative like the some are like completely opposite colors yeah it's so beautiful black and white reversal black and white, everything just looks and the the fact i feel like the the fact that he's doing it and looking at it as it appears <laughs> is just I've had this happen to me a few times. You know, I'm like, uh, recently, actually, I think I posted it quite recently on the story. Is like, I took uh, one of these pictures in Kiruna. I was like, I love the negatives more than the positives. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those were really, really cool. Right? Yeah. And uh, it happens It happens a few times before with black and white as well. Is that I, I feel like I'm happier with the negative And I feel like I should start to take that into account. When I'm taking a photo, maybe I want to use this photo as a negative rather than a positive, right? Mm. So I, th I think that this is a very important concept in the sense that when you're trying to make art with your photography, mm. is that the lines, the borders are not there. No. I, I want, you know, I wanted to make a video uh, a while ago, but I didn't. It was like the one rule that all photographers should know about <laughs> and it's like is to stop watching any <laughs> photography any videos that say the five rules or the ten rules yeah. any video like this one basically is because all these videos are gonna limit you it's like always use the f f uh, what is it called the uh, rule of thirds mm -hmm. or do this with your eyes so do this yeah. do whatever you want golden Just rule no no yeah. do whatever you want yes just take your camera and have fun with it and make something that you love mm -hmm. i think that's the most important thing yes definitely and experiment and learn. I just think, yeah, the go and make a camera obscura with anything you can. Please do it. Yesterday, last night, we were like taking one of these lenses and putting it in front of the light yeah. and like taking up watercolor paper and then like, oh, if we are this far away from this, like we can have a four to one magnification of this. It's, <laughs> it's just so cool. Right? Yes. And we like, we just took a lens and we tried to do something with it. I, uh, Eva came in and I was hiding behind the curtain <laughs> and she was like where are you and I'm like I'm here behind the curtain if you're gonna come like don't don't move it because I'm holding a big lens in my <laughs> 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 but and then I took it out in the light because the room was dark and I pointed on uh, on that lamp over there and uh, just in like a few minutes we had so many different crazy ideas yeah so it's, uh, it's really beautiful I really recommend that you guys check uh, the work and the website has a lot of because he also did a very very cool project which is turning a whole um, a whole uh, level of a skyscraper into a camera obscura and projecting the building that was in front of it and I think it was as famous as perhaps was the, the building in front was the Empire State Building or something like that yeah. something very strikingly beautiful and big this is it I pulled it up and, and here uh, you can see these are this is basically a big kind of think of it like a conference room or whatever mm -hmm. it's just a big room with not a lot of walls 
and a lot of windows and they just basically blacked out everything with uh, cardboard and they just made a hole here yes this is the same what you're looking at here is the same as the uh, where is it as this basically mm -hmm. so you have a hole in the, in the wall and a mesh behind it for an artist to trace a painting yes but here you have a mesh and the image is basically projecting on it mm -hmm. through the lens these lenses are um, i think uh, he mentions that they're like um, military reconnaissance lenses yeah, from like airplanes and stuff like that so big. but you can use anything like you'd be surprised <laughs> you can use literally with the anything. magnifying glass that one shocked me even you know uh, did you see the one where he found a scrap lens from uh, a glass yeah he found yeah. it on the floor he was walking in the street and found this lens from my glasses from one a pair of glasses and it was all scratched and everything but yeah it was actually kind of cool yeah a lot of effects of course if you modify your lens in some way it would be really cool yeah so here you can see the at the uh, floor that they were using you can see them blacking out the windows this was a big big project yeah yeah and it's it was a workshop so it was to introduce i think a lot of people also mm -hmm. into this um medium and here is the lens mount, basically. <laughs> and I think that's where you have your paper. Mm -hmm. You can just put your paper there. And then you can use a different, uh, m many different methods to, uh, to do the exposure. So, uh, you know, large format cameras like the CNR, they have a thing called focal plane shutter. Because uh, large format lenses usually have the shutter built in. Yes. Uh, or like attached to the lens and mounted on the board. Mm -hmm. Uh, but CNR makes this focal plane shutter which sits behind the lens separately on the, on the front standard. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't know what is that, I can uh, <laughs> kind of illustrate here. So this is, think of this as the front element of your large format camera. Your sh focal plane shutter will be here. So uh, I don't know if you can see my cursor. I hope you can. So it sits behind the the lens yes and then it fires mm -hmm. um, and you can set your aperture shutter speed whatever you want to do uh, the aperture is on the lens but that's another thing again you can make it with a piece of cardboard yeah he literally the one in the bedroom he opened and closed yeah the the cardboard and then that was the shutter like yeah. oh, maybe it's a little bit too much but uh, then may we make the aperture a bit smaller so we can still do it manually up and down yeah and he got a beautiful photo i was like so beautiful and it's like just like not even trying it's so <laughs> crazy right yeah he just like lift up the cardboard up and down yeah really cool right um look at these and you get these so basically in a sense these are kind of uh non-practical polaroids <laughs> 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 this is what it what it is because you're making a one of a kind image yes that is shot in the camera and then developed yes that is not uh, well integral or peel mm -hmm. apart it's just you have to do development on the side yeah um but w the, the 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 other thing is that most of you who are watching this mm -hmm. know uh, that the bigger the the medium is that like so if you're going from 35 millimeter to 8 by 10 you get a lot of different things on your on your final image mm -hmm. in the sense of um, the depth of field the characteristics, the characteristics of, of the yeah. image mm -hmm. 
and so imagine when you take it up to basically whatever you want i mean like a whole wall of <laughs> yeah i mean look at this this is giant because the printing paper comes in uh, in rolls mm-hmm. also for big for big printers and you can just buy that and slice how much you want and just make a literally endless possibilities of big 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 images um when i was uh, if we can talk about the other person that we found i was looking into this idea of using the camera obscura for photography and whatnot and i found because i really really like what brendan is doing as like and then i found in a forum someone commented oh he was not really the first one on doing this and then they they pointed to this other photographer uh, abelardo morel which i share with you uh, his website as well and i I also found some other people that are doing, of course, they are not the only two, but I really particularly like what Abelardo did because conceptually it means a lot to me. Mm. So what he did, using this concept of blacking out a window and then putting a lens on it to get a projection, instead of really having, let's say, a front standard or a place where you will put the paper, he let all that image to be projected into the room that he is in and then he photographs the room. Mm-hmm. So conceptually, what he's presenting and he's working with is the idea of bringing the outside inside and, and making it one. And I just found that it was so beautiful to to use this concept of photography to get this dichotomy of the outside and the inside together and then taking the photo of the room rather than what is outside, right? Yep. And uh, some of them are really beautiful because the the mix of, of textures of what's happening outside and what's happening inside. We're here, uh, we saw one that was like a office uh, conference room and then you get all these like square buildings from outside or there was one that it was on the... Um, on the beach and then bringing the sea inside into the room and there's a lot of like iconic places as well like the brooklyn bridge or the empire state building and it's just i think this one is paris uh, that's the eiffel might tower be, yeah and then the brooklyn bridge as well before yeah these are beautiful they're kind of like uh, some people do it with the projector mm-hmm. with the whole projector and then you know you can get this nice effect but this one is actually just it's a projector of some sort that doesn't use any batteries. It's projecting the reality. Yes, uh, using the <laughs> sun as uh, as a battery. Yes, it's a. I don't know. I found it very very beautiful use of the of camera obscura concept. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I was actually when I was. B- yeah, you told me about this one. I had no idea. Uh, but uh, when I was watching the videos, Brand- uh, Brandon was making. Mm-hmm. Because he was showing you this, like you can see that the projector, uh, that video you didn't see, he was commissioned to use this room to take a photo and, and then he built this big canvas. So he documented the thing. And I was like, when he turned the camera to see the projection falling into the room, I was like, this is a great photo. Like, In itself, I would, right? I would take yeah. this photo. Yeah, yeah, and then it turns out um, Abelardo. Abelardo, yeah. Is doing yeah. exactly just that and doing great, great, beautiful work with it. The, that's as you said the the the, f- the the showing the outside on the inside is just a beautiful idea the fact that especially like this one that i'm looking at i'm not sure where is this mm-hmm. but it like it's a worn out worn out wall with a, it seems like a wall um Bathroom. i'm sorry a door was like yanked off the wall yeah and then the outside also there's a building that looks worn down as well and it's always hard to like to get the feeling 
Um, I mean, you can theoretically, if the sun is just right, take a photo of a room with the window open, and you can see both the things at the same both time. Both things mm-hmm. at the same time, but the way it's it's visualized in this sense and is it's, it's the dichotomy: the outside and the inside, the up upside and downside, because you will have the image that is reverse. in reverse. And I I don't know. I just they they are. It's a very special, like very special work well and I concept. I agree. He also did some work that is based on Camera Obscura concept, I think, I don't know, because I didn't read that much into it, but uh, that he makes a tent, and then he makes uh, projections of what is outside, using a mirror, I assume, into the the surface that is on the bottom, like on the ground, and then he takes a photograph of that. It's called the tent something. There, I found it. Yeah. I have so many lights shining into my face, so <laughs> it's hard to read. All right, so these are the ones you're talking about. Basically, he went outside with a tent and made a camera obscura inside of a tent. And you can see a lot of them. Um, you can actually f- um, see the f- the ground that he's projecting on. Mm-hmm. This looks like uh, some kind of pebble. There is one with the wooden ground that is just so cool. Yeah. These are pebbles, I think, again. Yeah. Oh, these are uh, like uh, old stones. Uh, mm-hmm. what I think we call them stones, like the, the ones in old roads. Uh, p- uh, cobble, cobblestones? C- cobblestones, yeah. This one is just bricks. Ah, this one is so nice with the hose. Mm. This is the beach one. You're seeing it delayed. Mm-hmm, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Uh, is this... It's uh, it's you know it's like Brendan is really doing nice work because he's creating these cameras and but I think this pushes the concept of the camera scura one more step which is including the environment that what you have to make the camera with in the photo itself. Yeah, I mean this is t- taking it back to the more the original form in the sense that if you're an artist, you're a painter, and you want to trace the image. Mm-hmm basically you're using whatever canvas you're using mm-hmm. so like you can have a different material canvas i guess and you have that texture in the image and then you yeah. put the paint on top of yeah. it um, what's what's happening here is that he's making a canvas with any service uh, surface so i can th- these are beach pebbles uh, then you have the i don't know these are beach pebbles these look like no these are tiles with pebbles in them but um any floor, any piece of wood, any piece of whatever you have, he's using that as the material for the canvas mm-hmm. and then projecting the image on top of it, which is a beautiful idea. Yeah. I'm very happy I found this. <laughs> Me too, actually. This is such a cool work. I really love that we use the podcast for this, just like discovering people and showing cool yeah, work. Yeah, right? I mean, this was the idea. When we did the... Um, when we did the... Uh, survey the other week mm-hmm. about technique versus gear we said that it's kind of our mission to bring this more into the zy- concept yeah <laughs> uh, because we did talk about gear today but uh, it's again more about what you do with it and it's fine if you love buying cameras we love buying cameras <laughs> we're not judging we're no. just thinking that um it should be uh, more than just, yeah. just that mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah um do you wanna go into the questions that we got this week sure uh tim asked uh how were you introduced to film 
uh, I think I think we did answer that in the first episode. Uh, well, I, I think we just I just we yeah. just caught uh, Tim that he's not watching as much as he says <laughs> he does. <laughs> but we we talked about like <laughs> why do we should film? But maybe you know what got us into film or photography as an art altogether. Yeah. Or what are your first memories of photography? Well, I uh, I I as I said on a previous episode, it was when I was a kid. And I somebody left this uh, one ten camera, mm-hmm. and I just walk, you know, run around and like look through it and pretend that I'm taking photos, uh, but I never had film in it. I don't think so. And you know, you know, their cameras lying around, and then you take it, and people are like, "Oh, don't take too many photos," you know, because film is not free. <laughs> and, yeah, know. it never was. <laughs> yeah, um, Definitely. And so, um, I think uh, these are the first memories, and then it disappeared. As I mentioned, where I come from is like not a thing to just walk around uh, with a camera on your neck. Yeah. If you do, people immediately think you're a tourist. <laughs> and uh, did I tell you this? Did I? I don't know if I tell it on the on the podcast. The story when my friend was out taking photos for her for his uh, architecture project. University. Uh, I know university. the story, but I don't think you talk it here. It's a crazy story. Should I? All right. So my friend was working on his. Uh, as I mentioned, he's an architect. He was an architecture uh, student, and uh, he was he had his project, and he w- had to go outside. I wasn't part of the project, but it was part of the research to go outside and take some photos of different buildings to get inspiration for his design. And so he was walking around, and um, where I come from is uh, not like you don't have as much liberties. You know, cameras are not a thing that. It's 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 always directly like people think that you're doing espionage or esp- is espionage is the right word? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, you're like basically trying to get information about something you should know. Yeah, <laughs> and you're invading privacy yeah. and stuff like that. Actually, they I think they recently passed a rule mm-hmm. uh, because there was like a lot of young people who are getting into photography, and then you're like you're not allowed to take pictures in public. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. But anyways, and uh, the other thing is that. Um, uh, there are these like secret police people kind of like informants yes informants let's call them that yes and uh, they uh, basically can be anybody and they can be a cab driver so as he was taking a photo a cab, a cab driver stops and he's like what are you doing here give me the film and it was a digital camera <laughs> but that was early on it was it was for the university <laughs> and he had borrowed the camera from the university he didn't own yeah, it yeah. so he borrowed the camera to take a few pictures and then he's like the, the cab driver is like he shows like he identifies himself basically as a secret thing or whatever mm-hmm. he is and then he's like give me the film what are you doing you're not allowed to take photos give me the film and my friend's like it's digital and he's like what give me the digital <laughs> <laughs> it's like no i can't give you the digital it's like it's n- there's nothing there it's n- there's no film I, I i have heard of the opposite story which is someone that is with a film camera taking photos around and then someone comes and is like i want you to delete my photo and then they just go out they do like they're taking some fo- bottom and the person goes like oh yeah okay great I just <laughs> like, sure sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a problem if somebody wants me to leave a photo of a of a film roll. You just try. Yeah, it's like you can come next week when I develop it, and I can put a hole in it for you. Um, That's good. It's a very good story. Uh, but yeah, yeah, where were we? How did have we you ever had any problems shooting around in Lebanon? Well, that story wasn't in Lebanon, by it the way. It was in Syria. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I wanted to keep that a secret, but there we go. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's fine. Um, uh, <laughs> look at your face. 
I mean, it's not, a, not necessarily a secret. You can know where I'm from, but, you know, I didn't want to be political about it. No, no, no. Uh, we don't get into those things. Yeah. Except if they don't let you take photos, then we get into Well, photos. you can't take photos, so yeah. <laughs> let's not get into it. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess you can. It's just that um, it's it's not, not as, uh, you know. There are many parts of the world where it is you tough. You need, I think you need, uh, you are allowed, mm -hmm. but you need a permit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that happens in a lot yeah. of places. Uh, I think that's a very interesting topic to go into. Because I always get in this argument with people is about taking... Because I used to do a lot of street photography. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that... Well, to answer the question... Um, well, I after after all of that, you know, growing up, cameras were not necessarily a thing. They were for family vacations. You know, I have a lot of photos of my childhood. Mm -hmm. But it's not... Um, it wasn't like you pick up a camera to, to, to go and take... Enjoy it. Mm. You know, like it's not a popular hobby. Mm. If you're an art student, yeah, but it's you're either a painter or you're a studio photographer, basically. Like, not a lot of landscape photos are being done mm. uh, over there. And so, yeah, it's not the thing that you get introduced to from a different friend and then you're like, oh, I like this, and you get into it. Because I think that's how most people get into it. You know, you might visit a gallery start asking questions and you're like oh that sounds interesting and you pick up a camera and you start doing work for me it wasn't like that it was more like um uh when i moved to beirut actually i met a friend um and uh he was a photographer and i at the time had a smartphone and i was taking a lot of photos with the smartphone i remember since phones started to having cameras in them i was taking a lot of these photos and I was really enjoying it, not doing anything with it. I don't think social media was even a thing at the time yet. Uh, or I didn't feel like I want to share my photos on social media because I was just enjoying them for myself. Mm -hmm. And so uh, and so then I, uh, I met this guy and uh, he's uh, like, uh, you know who he is, Nadim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's watching. Hey, hey, Nadim. Or if he uh, listens uh, later. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, um, he was like, "Hey, man, you have really nice eye for composition. You know, you're like you're. Oh, this is. And then he would be like, "This is a cool something, something like you know, mm -hmm. like Dutch angle or whatever. Like, <laughs> is a good um, the good use of the Dutch angle? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it just looks good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just like. Uh, so he's like, oh, maybe you should learn more about it. And that's uh, that's how I started to answer Tim's question. How do I did I get into film? Is I think I saw a I saw a medium format camera of some kind. It was at some point. And as I said in a previous episode, again I think I mentioned that medium format was not a thing growing up. Mm. You know, people had point and shoots, some had DSLRs. I think my dad had DSLR because my dad liked photography, but again, uh, he still does. He does like to take a lot of photos until now with his phone and he likes to edit them and stuff. But it wasn't like he liked to take portraits of family members and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And again, it was not something that I could necessarily play with because it was more expensive to develop film. And, you know. mm -hmm. and so uh, I saw a medium format camera for the first time. I think it might have been a hustle blog uh -huh. somewhere on the Internet. And I was like, what is this camera? And I started looking at photos mm -hmm. of medium format. And I was like, oh, how... Is there an equivalent in digital? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, there are digital hustle bloods, and they were so expensive. And I was like, okay, 
I don't think I can do that. <laughs> and then I, you know, kept looking and looking and looking, and I learned that all about the different mm-hmm. cameras that you can you can pick up a Akfa, what's it called? Uh, something something. The one that based on the Sony sixteen is on the one that we have. Akfa Isola. Uh, Isola. Isola. Yeah. For nothing basically you can maybe pick it up for free somewhere mm-hmm. put a roll of medium format and get beautiful medium format mm-hmm. images um and so yeah that's how i got my f- my first camera was the rb67 mm-hmm. um but uh yeah and now we're here you went <laughs> into in a, in a to a good 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 um, camera and, and format because you know not a lot of people go into film directly into medium format yeah i mean i i i was so here's the thing i i i loved mi- uh, micro four thirds like yeah. that was my go to camera i had an a p s c that was my first camera was a nikon it was well two d- nikon's bodies uh, my dad had one for work stole it and then he uh, got me for my birthday uh, a d seven thousand and then um, and then i shot that camera for years until i was working here in sweden and i was like I'm gonna go treat myself to a camera because I haven't treated myself to anything in a while. So <laughs> I went and bought a Micro Four Thirds. Mm-hmm. And you know how much I love the Micro Four Thirds. Here it is. You can wave to it. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful camera to use, you know. Uh, I'm not necessarily against digital in any sense, no. Oh. And I didn't even expect that I would love to shoot film as much as I do now. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, was that I knew a lot about cameras at the time, about digital cameras. So I was, I, I'm, I love gear and I love technology and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And uh, you know, when uh, I know about full frame cameras, but I wasn't really sold on the idea. Like they were much more expensive. They like lacked a lot of the features and the compatibility that the Micro Four Thirds have. So I decided to go with Micro Four Thirds, knowing that yeah, I'm losing something in the image quality, but I'm gaining a lot in the experience of making photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus a a bigger chunkier camera, uh, mm-hmm. camera that is a full frame uh, the sony's the big mirrorless were not yet as good at the time mm-hmm. now they're really 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 nice and very 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 expensive yeah, that's true <laughs> but um i will i will say that yeah i mean i could have i'm happy that the hasselbloods are as expensive as they are the digital ones because i don't think i would have had as much fun and learned as much if I fell into that world on digital mm. instead of instead of yeah. and uh, they're great cameras absolutely definitely but Different I'm having thing. so much more fun here I mean lo- uh, these photos that we're looking at today I think this one is super nice I'm gonna keep this one on for for a while mm-hmm. um, uh, so what about you Eva tell us your story oh my story I so my my earliest memories of photography i think probably is i have always been very attracted to the kuchung of my father's minolta the sound of when the photo was taken was always like so like like a happy moment for me i don't really know why but it just the the attachment the, the emotion and the memory that i have attachment to to this camera is how it sounds and you know still that i love to hear how the shutter sound and, and the mirrors coming up and down and things like that in cameras so those are the earliest memories my father uh, does like art in general and uh, photography in particular and he had a minolta he also had a polaroid that basically has photographed my whole um, 
my whole childhood. And I I really enjoyed the because he would take actually time to sit me down and say, okay, sit here, I'm going to take some photos of you. Or he would actually take photos also of uh, trips and landscapes and they would show me all their uh, albums and stuff. So a lot of photos. And I'm telling you, I'm really looking forward to work, work, uh, walk through all those photos with you. Yeah. And we even bought like a little uh, a slide projector, not projector, but that you can put them and see them a bit bigger because I know there's a lot of slides that my father took as well. So I'm really looking forward to go back and uh, and see all that work now with all the knowledge that I have about film photography and and really pa- kind of put myself into my dad's situation when he was young and what he was doing with the camera. Because yeah. the memories that I have of him taking photography photographs is different than what probably the reality. But maybe looking at those photographs, I can walk down down the path that he went through. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. So that's my earliest memories. And then uh, I guess I was always very attracted to to the art of photography. I I remember going to museums with my family. I remember to really like looking at photographs that other people ta- took, and uh, I really love uh, contrasty, very structural f- black and white photographies from very early on. Um, but then, of course, you know, digital was the thing. And my father had put the camera into the cellar or something. I never really saw it again. And I just got a digital camera because that's what's what was available. So that's why I started with photography digitally. And why I went back to to analog or like I wanted to get into analog is because I started working in the lab. And then I knew in the lab, like scientifically in my career, I'm a biologist and I started working in a lab in genetics. And I started thinking, you know, like photography has a lot to do with with. Uh, science and the lab so if I go back to if I try to do some analog photography I can also enjoy photography in the lab which is something that makes me really happy so that's why I actually went into film photography and actually the first film that I shot it was black and white I started directly going into developing myself in learning how to develop and how to print in the here in Uppsala in one of the dark rooms and then I ended up being the leader of that dark room and that uh, photo group for a couple of years as well. That led me uh, to learn a lot about it, and that's that's how I started, basically. Yeah, I was uh, shuffling through the uh, the work by Abelardo. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things. There's so many photographers out there. We're mm. not gonna ever have not enough material for this podcast. <laughs> There's always <laughs> something cool to <laughs> to talk to about, discover, and talk about. Um, somebody asked if you remember your first photo, right? Mm. Was it? I uh, yeah, I, ha- I, I have a note of the question here, but you have the question. Yeah, I was on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, the question says, uh, why do I say always to 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 when I'm trying to make time? The photo it says it's actually not in this one. Why do I have so many Instagrams? I think he was asking if we do remember our first photo. Yeah, do you still keep your first photo, the one that sparked your love for all of this? Uh. Or something, someone that some that you remember, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome, Tim. <laughs> Thanks for answering uh, my question. I just uh, gained vision to the sh- chat once again because now I can look at it on the computer. <laughs> nice. Uh, hey, Jesse. Hey, Ara. Thank you all for coming. Yes. Um, 
So uh, what was I saying? We're answering the first question, the first photograph. If you remember, if you still have it. Do I still have it? Well, I don't know. I mean, as I said, I, I started taking photos on my phone and I have one of the pictures. It was actually one of my profile pictures on, uh, on uh, selfies. super cheesy selfie. <laughs> uh, but I was like, I took this photo and uh, it was the Nokia N70. That's like the first phone that I had. Yeah. It had like a nice camera. Mm -hmm. and, I, and it also had an editing software, like an edit some edit basic editing where you can add a frame, make it black and white, play with the contrast. And uh, it's actually one of my profile photos that it's still there up on Facebook. But that phone got stolen. <gasps> Somebody stole that phone. Aye, aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I don't have the photos that were on it because I just expected to keep having the phone until I don't, not to have it stolen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't, I do not remember in that sense um, the photo. There was, there, I can't say that there was one photo that I took. Yeah. Um, the first, or this one is like what? The wow moment yeah but i do remember uh, some of the photos and i think i think i still have them the ones that as i mentioned with when i when i was talking to nadim and he was like oh these are really nice i do remember these photos and i do remember uh i do remember the times i was uh, i was working uh, from from a dance company at the time and mm -hmm. um we do a lot of interior design and stuff like that so i w i had access to uh, very cool buildings in the sense that they're still um, being built. So mm -hmm. I walk in where the walls are not finished yet. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can see inside the walls and stuff like that. And I used to use my iPhone 4 to like get close and, you know, try to use the pipelines and stuff to just uh, to make different compositions mm -hmm. because... That's pretty much the work that you yeah. like and you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can see that happening. It's like... One of my favorite things to do with photography is to create something like uh, these old um, Soviet posters uh. with these uh. like big, like chunky Chunks, yeah, yeah, diagonal yeah. lines and Bauhaus style also. Yeah. yeah. So uh, architecture on a smaller scale is, has have a lot of these intersecting lines mm -hmm. that you can play with. So for me, it was that. What about you? Um, I don't think I remember my first photo or anything i have two maybe two interesting things here i do keep my first print mm -hmm. so my first first print ever in black and white that i did in the lab uh, i have it in my office pin so mm -hmm. and it's a photo i really really like uh, and I, that that's special i remember everything about making that print how i saw it coming up and like how i tested the, the strips to see how many seconds of exposure like i remember everything and i also remember how i took that photo because it was in Gronalund here in stockholm mm -hmm. and I, I i really like you know also you know shapes and symmetries and this kind of uh, a bit of abstract feeling mm -hmm. so it was a photo of, uh, of a lot of the different how you call the uh, roller coasters that mm -hmm. they go mm -hmm. around so the tracks of the roller coasters were making super cool shapes uh -huh. and I took a photo of that and that's the one I decided to print and I really like it and then another photo for sure that I have to have taken even though I don't remember I don't know if I told you when my father gave me his Minolta uh, it had a roll it had in a it roll, yeah. and it was a Delta 3200 yeah super grainy by itself but imagine that 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 role was mid midway shot and then the camera was stored for 14 years mm -hmm. i got that camera i see that there's still a role in it and i was like oh i might as well just 
finished shooting it. So I went ahead and, and with some people out, I shot the rest of the role and I developed it and everything came out. And the first half, it's photos of me being 11, 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And then the rest, it was when I was like... You were taking the photos. Yeah, 20 or something like that mm -hmm. even. I was... No, the thing is that the last photo before the new ones uh -huh. is a photo of my dad that sitting yeah. in his in his uh, couch, the one that he's always sitting in, in the place we were living back in the den. And then in the background, you can see my mom working in the kitchen. So I must have, I had to have taken that photo because mm -hmm. I am a single child, so there's nobody else at home. Yeah. I don't remember taking that photo at all, oh. but it's just so nice that I got that camera from my father. It was a mid midway roll. I finished shooting it, and the last photo before that hiatus of 12 years, whatever, it was a photo I took. <laughs> 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 so, I don't know. I think it's like a cute story. It is. And uh, one day, maybe I can show you that photo. Yeah, yeah, I was looking if I had it in the computer, but it's in my hard disk. I want to kind of... Uh, I was I was hoping that we can uh, do an episode on uh, Alexander uh, Rochenko one day. But I kind of want to, since I mentioned the topic, I kind of want to like go through some of his... Uh, mm -hmm some of his work these are like the things that i was thinking about with the um, soviet old old style posters and uh, so he was a, a graphic designer i believe yes and I a photographer so. mm -hmm. and you can see how he utilizes very very simple shapes to make his uh, images not gonna go into it so much i believe that his work can be a subject on its own one day mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I wanted to mention. Really yeah, quick. I think he should take uh, some going through his life and the work. Really cool, 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 sh cool things. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to get into today? Mm, I think we will cover everything in the agenda unless there is any more questions left. Oh, Tim is saying uh, you should keep that film for as long as you're alive yes definitely and maybe even longer if i have uh, anyone to give it to <laughs> 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 uh, no it's a, it's a sweet story and i keep that dearly even though it was don't don't, don't keep your hopes up it wasn't a good photo i think it was even a bit out of focus and everything yeah, I mean, <laughs> but it means a lot yeah <laughs> i mean again it's w there's much more to photos than technicalities i know i know you know it's Im it's important especially if you're doing it for work mm -hmm. to get like tec technically perfect or close to perfect photos but that's you know i want to you know i want to get into this i didn't i didn't i had this idea in the shower the other day <laughs> that that's I why you have your best ideas yeah right <laughs> best, i think all of us have the best ideas in the shower but i was thinking that the people always are you because uh, I used to always or still always have a camera on me wherever I go since I started, since I got that first Nikon DSLR, I always go out with a camera. Mm -hmm. and that's why I went the Micro Four Thirds route because mm -hmm. it's easier to mm -hmm. keep it with you. Um, and people always ask me, why do you take photos? You know? And yeah, I'm that's like, a... And, uh, and my answer is always, why don't you like <laughs> I, it's, the, it's like why do you bec I, I never thought of why do i take photos mm -hmm. i just take them i just it just makes sense yeah you know like for me it doesn't have a just a clear justification in my head mm -hmm. and regardless like of you know my series about the like uh, the unpublished series about the um corner corner walls yeah, yeah i have yeah. so many pictures of walls 
and they just make me so happy and uh, that's why i take them i guess because i i just take the photo and mm-hmm. i get like a some nice feeling yeah so it's like when you get thirsty and you take a sip of water yeah, like yeah, why yeah, do you why do you it's drink it soothes your soul it's right? a yeah i feel the same way uh, than you i although i i think i've been a little bit less consistent than you i think you have been much more it, it has been much more part of your life in a longer period of time for me it's come and goes in burst depending of like you know life around and i do remember periods of time where i was not really inspired i was not shooting at all and i was not like putting my mind into it but i i i know why it was happening you know mm. because of other things but i i think that you when i feel that it's like it makes me feel good just to shoot <laughs> yeah i think because you know uh, we plan to have people soon mm-hmm. on the podcast And I think this is a really interesting question. I want to ask this question to everybody, even though it used to bother me when people ask it to me. It's like, what? It's like I almost get offended when somebody asking like, why are you taking a photo? Because I feel like they think I'm invading their privacy or I'm spying on them. And in my head, is it can't be f- further than that. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, I take photos of walls when I'm by myself. So just leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not, I don't care about your life. Mm. or necessarily trying to like stalk you or anything it's just like you know it's, it's like again it's like me sipping water offending somebody else it's just like what it's just yeah. m- mad to me yeah so but now i'm 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 growing up being <laughs> less uh, easily irritated um not by much but slowly <laughs> at least by this question yeah and uh, i think it'd be really interesting to if we um do and get People, guests mm-hmm. and on the podcast to ask them that question yeah to be a running question like why why do you take photos yeah and what do you think here the different no th- that's very 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 good idea yeah uh on the other podcast i work with we have also a running question which uh-huh. is what is your wish list for this topic which is antibiotic resistant and uh-huh. we ask it to everyone so uh, i have a long list of things that people would like it to happen in the area uh So if anybody asks, like, what what, what do we need here? Oh, yeah, I have a whole list of things. <laughs> That'd be cool. So it would be very nice to get a whole list of reasons. Actually, and, like... And they I might be as, as, as varied as people are out there. Imagine that to you put it in one long, like, paragraph. All the answers, just, like, blend them together yes. and then credit all the people in there. Just, like, this is the story why I take... Or why we why take pictures. Force. Yeah, that'd be beautiful. Cool idea. Yeah, nice. Yeah. See, I should take more showers. Take showers, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think on that note, we can uh, um, end it here today. <laughs> Go take Even a shower. Yeah, I already did before. That's true. I think you Maybe can I, I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else we you want to get into before we end it for this week? Uh, although I'm having so much fun, I could. I know. You know, I can pull a three-hour podcast. I know that you can go ahead and be five hours. But <laughs> maybe just keep, keep the ideas for the next one. Um, yeah. But I would like to thank everyone that joined us today, everyone that will join in the future and listen to this. Um, we are here weekly. We lo- love about talking about everything, photography or art or images. and so Yeah, and uh, let us know if you are interested in hearing us discuss other topics because also, we yeah. are very much interested in uh, sciences, um, you know, like social sciences and actual science. We're not very much into like Uh, no, no politics, please. No politics. That Maybe a little bit. 
happens. We'll see. This is like a flowing conversation. Yeah, of we would course. like to like share these ideas and we are, we do talk about them and we do enjoy other podcasts that talk about them. So we can get into subjects. If you guys are interested in us listening to them, definitely let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Cherie. We are glad you made it this time. Yes. <laughs> and uh, uh, as always, uh, you know, join us on the social medias and stuff. Get uh, more involved in the conversation. <laughs> uh, and we really enjoy and love your contributions. Yes. Uh, because, you know, we, 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 can, we talk to each other, but we want to share the stuff with you that you are interested in. Yes. And as always, when you can't watch us, always the podcast is on Spotify and all the other apps. And on the channel for forever and ever. So yeah. you can go back to it. Yeah. If you don't make it in time, it's on the channel. Mm. All right. So thank you, guys. Hope you have a wonderful next week. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you at the end of it next Friday. Yes. Friday, 6 p.m. You Central European time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> bye, guys. Bye, bye. <laughs>